0: Today, Elizabeth sang one of my very favorite songs from many, many years ago. I love that song; it's just so beautiful. And and then all the all the message and song today about loving the Lord. Children, we'll let you slip out the back for children's church, so you can slip out the back. The rest of us will open our Bibles to Ephesians six, Ephesians six, and. We have, been, uh, we have been in this book of Ephesians for a while, and um, we're still going to be in it for a few more weeks. But we have been, in the last three weeks, four weeks, we've been talking about um, what the passage tells us in chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. <clears throat> walk as children of light. And we've been talking about this concept of what the believer's walk ought to look like. What does it mean to walk in the Lord? And and we've looked at several examples. And then and then uh, in the past two weeks, he began to look at those examples in light of our relationships on this earth. We looked at what does it mean to walk in the light for the, for the wife to her husband. And then we looked at what does it mean to walk in the light from the husband to his wife. And then this week, um, now it's time for children, young people. What does it mean for you to walk in? in light of the Lord when it comes to your relationship with your parents. And then we're going to look briefly at parents to their children. And then we're going to finalize today with what does it mean to walk in light of the Lord when it comes to the employer and employee relationship. And and the Lord addresses all these through the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians. And the idea is Paul is giving us the, the structure that God wants us to live in, walking in light of the Lord, the structure that he wants in these personal relationships here on this earth, because as we get into the end of the chapter, he's going he's to prepare us for the battles in this life. He's going to prepare us for the spiritual warfare that we are in each and every day. And so the only way we're going to be well prepared for that battle is if we are walking in the light of the Lord the way we are supposed to walk. And so we looked at that heavily last week. Uh, Husband to wife, wife to husband. Now let's look at it when it comes to children. Chapter 6, and uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Of this verse, Phillips in his commentary states this. He says, This verse summarizes the whole duty of a child, both manward and Godward. What is it when you're a young person, when you're a child, an elementary age child, a teenager, what is your duty on this earth? What does God expect from you on this earth? God expects you to obey your parents. That's what God expects. That is his duty for you. Every one of us in scripture, we have a duty. The wife is to be in submission to her husband. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for the church. But children are to obey their parents. That is your duty. That the Lord. That is a God-given duty to you. This is not your parents writing an instruction manual, saying, "Oh, child, you need to obey me." No, it's not what your parents have said. It's what God has said. Children are to obey their parents. Notice what it says: it "says Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right." The word obey in the Greek is is a more intensive form of the thought of to listen to. So you could say he's, he's given a much more intensive version of children listen to your parents, but it literally means acting under the authority of the one speaking. It's attentive listening. In other words, listening fully being compliant to what you've been told. That's what the word literally means in the Greek. It's the idea of listening to the person that is in authority. And for young people, for children, for teens, that authority in your life is your parents. That's who the authority is. And so God has given you instruction. And and we could stop right there. We don't need to say anything else as far as children. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but we really don't need to go any further because the command is there. Children, obey your parents. That's the command of Scripture. So for young people that are seated all throughout the auditorium and in the balcony, if you do not obey your parents, you are breaking the command of the Lord. That's what you're doing in your life. Because they are the God-given authority in your life. Now, what that verse doesn't say is children obey your parents when you agree with them. That's not what that verse says. Children obey your parents only when you like what they have to say. That's not what that verse says. That verse is a command of Scripture to, to be done. matter of fact, it's a present imperative active command. It is something that has to be done and continually to be done. It's not something we do one time. We don't obey our parents. Take out the trash. Okay, I'm obeying this time, but not next time. That's not what that passage means. That passage means I obey, I'm obeying, and I continue to obey my parents. And listen, young people, you may not think it now, but you're going to be thankful one day that you had a set of parents to obey. Because I can tell you this, when those parents are gone, you're going to wish you were still obeying them, because you're going to miss them. Lost my mom a couple years ago, lost my mother-in-law this year. I wish they were still here. And I'm thankful for the influence they had in my life. And folks, we got to understand, as young people, you need to obey your parents, Now listen, God doesn't have to give us any reasoning for what he has commanded. It's a command. Children, obey your parents. But he says this. He says, in the Lord. So now what is he saying there? Well, what he's saying is this. He is saying that obedience is part of your walking in the light of the Lord. Remember, this whole passage from chapter 5 all the way through into 6 is about our walk with the Lord. How should I walk as somebody who has trusted Christ as my Savior? That's the whole passage is about. And so for young people, he's saying, children, obey your parents. And he's saying that this obedience is part of your walk as a believer. In other words, if you are going to walk in the light of the Lord in your life, then you need to obey your parents. That's what he says. And then he says this also, he says, for this is right. If if for no other reason, even, even apart from the spiritual reason that God has commanded you to obey him, It is right for children to obey their parents. It's biblical for children to obey their parents. The word right there in the Greek means righteous. It's just in the eyes of God. That's what he's talking about. In other words, it only makes sense that children obey their parents. Why? Because parents have lived many years on this earth. We've experienced a thing or two, and we've learned some lessons. And you know what? Sometimes we've learned some tough lessons. I guarantee you, if you're a child in this room today, and you go home and ask your parents, what are some tough lessons you've learned over the years? I I guarantee you, they got some stories to share. Because as parents, we have been through things, we have experienced things that you haven't experienced yet. You know, Joyce and I, we've had five miscarriages. We can speak to that issue because we've lost babies. And so we've experienced that loss, that sorrow when a baby has passed away. And as you grow older and get married and maybe you have a, a baby come of your own and you lose that baby, we can speak to that experience. Why? Because we've lived it. It's been something that we've gone through. We've lived through the, the relationships of teenagers as you have boyfriends and girlfriends and then you break up and then you have another boyfriend and girlfriend. You break up. We can speak with some intelligence to that. Why? Because we've lived it. In our life, we've experienced it. And so God is saying, Listen, not only is it part of your walk in the Lord, it just makes sense for children to obey their parents. And then he says this in verse 2 He says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He says, Not only, young people, are you to obey your parents, but he says, You are to honor honor your parents you are to bring honor to them you know it's interesting um, when, when we think about the ten commandments and, and if you've ever looked at how people divide the ten commandments it's almost always divided as the first four commandments are man's relationship with God and the last six commandments are man's relationship with man but that's not how the Jews divide the ten commandments they divide them evenly five and five You know what commandment number five is? It's a commandment about honoring your parents. The Jews saw that as something that was important to the relationship with God, not just the relationship with man. And so they set a different division than we would establish in our walk with the Lord. Listen, to not honor your parents is sin. And to not honor your parents is rebellion, not just against your parents. But it is rebellion against God. Because God has commanded you to obey your parents and to honor your father and mother. These are commandments that, they, that we have. And then we get the promise there in that verse, in the end of verse 2, which is the first commandment with promise. That comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. What is the promise? That Long life. That's the promise. That you'll have long life. And that's what it says in verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So, young people in this room today, elementary age, teens in this room, which there's a bunch of you here today, what is your duty as a young person right now? Your duty to walk in the light of the Lord is to obey your parents and honor your parents. That's what you're to be doing. And to do anything other than that is to not fulfill the command of Scripture. That's instructions for walking in light as children. Point number two today is simply this: instruction, instruction. Excuse me for walking in light, for parents, for parents. Notice what he says next. Uh, He says in verse four, "And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord." Listen, discipline is necessary for children, but discipline must always be done in love while practicing self-control. You know, I find it interesting that that verse doesn't say fathers and mothers. (laughs) It doesn't say that. It says fathers provoke not your children to wrath. I think the Lord knew what he was doing when he wrote scripture, and he recognized that as dads, sometimes we have a little bit tougher, you know, you're going to obey me, you're going to listen to me, and the moms are always there going, I'll just settle down a second. (laughs) You know, they're, they're the calming influence, right, in the family relationship. And, uh, and, and I know that's true in my household. I know over the years, you know, we've raised six children, and, and some of them were really difficult, you know. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but we've raised six children, and so we've experienced a lot over raising six children. And, uh, and, you know, I know there were times when my wife had to be the calming influence because when something was done, man, I was going to get it right, and I was going to get it right right now. But you know what? The Lord tells us that as fathers, we're not to provoke our children's wrath. doesn't mean we don't discipline them. But it means we discipline in love while practicing self-control. Many children in many homes have experienced abuse at the hand of a parent that was out of control. And listen, folks, we don't ever want to be that way. When we discipline, we want to be disciplining biblically. He says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up what? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's what he says, the nurture and admonition. The admonition, the nurture is discipline. Disciplining them the right way, the biblical way. And then the word admonition is training or instruction given. So as, as a parent, now <coughs> the Lord has dealt through Paul with, with the child relationship to you, they are they are to obey you and they are to honor you. But now as the parent going back to the child, we are to discipline biblically. And we are to train. That's why the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, it is your responsibility as a parent to train your children. You know, we've come into an age, even among many Christian families, where parents have taken the kind of the blasé attitude of, I'm just going to let them figure it out, let them go through life, and let them experience it, this and experience that. And when they fail, they fail. When they do good, they do good. And I'm going to be kind of, I'm going to be that hands-off parent. I'm not, I'm not going to tell them what they need to do. Well, folks, that's fine, except for that's not biblical. That's not what God says. God's very clear. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility as parents. And listen, folks, if you don't want that responsibility, then don't have children. (laughs) Because you have a responsibility as as a parent to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's your responsibility toward that child. And so we see walking in the light of the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Parents to children, don't provoke them, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then we go into the next section that deals with instructions for walking in light as employee and employer. So in this section, it says this, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now listen, we know back in the time the scriptures were wi- written that save, slavery was a blight on humanity at that time and still is today. But we know that slavery was practiced widely by the Roman Empire, uh, the Greeks as well practiced slavery. And so in this particular instance, the, he's, he's addressing the, the, me- the, the message to slave and, and slave owner at that time. Uh, but we, today we can transfer that in our thinking, in our minds, to the employee-employer relationship. But m- as Paul wrote this, many of the members of the early Gentile church probably would have find, found themselves at some point in their life living as slaves. And we understand that, like, from the book of Philemon and stuff. So, so we, we understand this idea. But, but slavery was a blight on mankind, and, and we know, at least certainly in our country, is not practiced at this point today. And we're thankful for that, as it shouldn't be. But we now have the employer and employee relationship. And so within that relationship, notice what he says. He says, uh, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart. What is that that phrase, in singleness of your heart? (coughs) Well, that phrase literally means dedicated to the task at hand. So, as an employee, my responsibility is to be dedicated to the task at hand. So you all know I, I, have, I have a lawn mowing business on the side. I, I, I mow lawns, and I have for 30-some years. And several of your young people at the church here have helped me over the years cleaning leaves and mowing stuff. So when they come to help me, I have an expectation. <laughs> you need to be dedicated to the task at hand. You need to, We used to clear houses out of all the trash. You need to be running trash to the dumpster. You need to be raking leaves. You need to be hauling leaves out in the woods. You need to be whatever the task at hand is. As the employer, my expectation is you as now my employee, that you're going to be, be dedicated to the task at hand. Well, when you go into any place of business and you're an employee, you need to be dedicated to the task at hand. Now, this is the problem we have in a lot of business today because we, have, we see employees that aren't dedicated to the task at hand. Walk into a fast food restaurant, half of your employees are on their cell phone, right? I mean, they're not dedicated. They're not, they're not even watching the counter because they're busy on their cell phone. They're not dedicated to the task at hand. And so part of, part of when you enter into a relationship with an employer, when you accept employment, you are, you are basically agreeing that you are going to be dedicated to the task at hand. You're going to work for the employer and you're going to work the best that you can. I've said this many times, as Christians in this world, we should be the best employees that our that our employers ever seen. We should be dedicated employees. So that our boss sees there's a difference in our life. Why is that person so dedicated? Why do they work so hard? Why do they not complain? Why do they get the job done? Well, it's because they have a different mentality in their life. And what's that different mentality? Well, he gives it to us right here. Not with eye service as men pleasers. In other words, (laughs) don't be dedicated to the task when the boss is watching you. Be dedicated to the task even when the boss isn't there. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't just do it as a man pleaser. The boss is looking, oh, I'm going to work really hard now. I'm going to get a lot done now because the boss is watching me. But he says, not as a man pleaser, but notice what he says because it's very important. But as the servants of Christ. See, folks, when we're working, no matter what our employment is, that work is supposed to be being done how? Not for man, not for man, but for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ, like we're working for him. That's what it's talking about in this passage. We must work in a way that our work is seen as work unto the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.10, the first part of that verse. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might. And you know what, folks? I have worked a lot of jobs in my lifetime. And, and, And believe me, I'm not bragging here, but when I work for somebody, I try to work hard for them. When I'm doing a job, I try to take care of the job at hand. And you know what I found over the years? I found, it, it's so interesting. I never had problems with my bosses because I worked hard, and my bosses appreciated that. When I, I worked for Kmart for a number of years back in Kmart's heyday when, you know, they were, they were a big deal before Walmart took over the world. And, uh, you know, I worked, I worked for Kmart back in those days, and, and I never had issues with my boss because my boss appreciated that I had a work ethic, that I knew how to work hard. Well, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about when it comes to this relationship, uh, that we, we don't just work hard when the boss is looking, and we don't work hard just to please men, but we work hard for the Lord. The believer's work should be done as if he's working for God. And then that's what he says, Not with eye service of man-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, notice this then, Doing the will of God from the heart. Do you realize, folks, you can flip hamburgers at McDonald's and be in God's will if that's what God's called you to do. You can. You can be the trash man and be in God's will if that's what God has called you to do. You can also be the doctor, the lawyer, the attorney, the teacher, and be in God's will if that's what God has called you to do. Many, many times, for some reason in this, in this world, we, we put these expectations that, you know, the only people that are really doing well in their life is the doctor, the lawyer. You know, those, those are the ones. Those are the, that's what everybody should seek to be. Well, folks, I got news for you. If everybody's a doctor and lawyer, who's going to make our hamburgers at the, at the McDonald's? Right? I mean, let's be honest, right? We need, we need believers in this world in every occupation out there. And you can flip hamburgers and be in God's will today if that's what God has called you to do in your life. What's the point? Well, the point is this. We ought to be seeking God's will for our life. We ought to be working where we work, believing 100% that this is what God has called me to do. Listen, you all know my testimony. You know I I never was seeking to be a pastor because I hate talking in front of people. Petrifies me to talk in front of people. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm doing today is in God's will. He has called me to do it. And because he's called me to do it, he's equipped, he's equipped me to do it. And I'm still nervous every time I get in this pulpit. I'm still, I, I still, every Sunday, But I, I, I bet my heart rate goes up every Sunday, folks, before church starts. I'm telling you, because I, I don't like talking in front of people. But God has called me and I believe that what I am doing today is exactly what God has called me to do. And I hope wherever you work today, I hope you believe that for your life, I've sought the Lord and this is what he has for me today, no matter what it is. Because that's what God asks of. He asks us to be in his will. And then notice what he says this. He says, Knowing that whatsoever good any man doeth, verse 8, the same shall uh, he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So what does he say? He says, listen, when you're working as an employee like you should, there should come a reward, but some of you aren't going to get that reward here on this earth, but that reward is coming. That's what he says. Listen, we don't always experience the reward here on this earth, but the reward is coming. And that's what we need to understand. Work hard. Knowing that God is keeping the score. God keeps Folks, God knows what's going on in your life each and every day. And he knows if you go into the office and you work hard or if you go into the office and slough off all day. He knows. Your boss might not even know, but God knows. God knows. And God knows when you ought to receive some recognition for that work. And even if it doesn't happen here on this earth, folks, there are rewards in heaven for obeying the will of God. Then he goes on to talk to the employer. So this has been for the employees. Work hard, work under Christ, uh, you know, in the will of God. And then he says this, you masters, do the same things. under so he turns it right around. And so what is he saying? Uh, boss, uh, you ought to be working hard. You ought to be working hard. You shouldn't be sloughing off either. Just because you have employees that work under you, that doesn't matter. You ought to be working hard, working the same way, doing the same things. And then he says this, Forbearing, threatening. In other words, listen. Uh, we have all, well, listen, We've all heard the quote: "Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely." We've all heard that quote, right? Uh, we understand sometimes when you get in power, you you get this huge head, and you you forget your role, you forget what you're supposed to be doing. So if so, today, if you're here and you're the employer, your responsibility is to treat your employees properly. That's what he says. Forbearing threatening. Don't threaten your employees. But you treat them properly. You work hard. And then he adds this. He says, um, knowing that your master also in, is in heaven, neither is there a respect of persons with him. What is he saying? He saying, listen, the Lord doesn't have a respect of persons. The Lord treats everybody equally. And so should you. So you're an employer today? You should treat everybody equally. Not threatening, doing your job, treating your employees properly. And he runs through all this, chapter 5. Wives, submit to your husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. Parents, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Employers, uh, employees, you ought to work hard, not just for man, but for Jesus Christ. Employers, you ought to not have respect or praise. You not, ought to be not threatening to your employees. And he, he, he does all that, and then he comes to verse 10, and this is where we're going to head into starting next week. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So after all, the, after all I have said, Paul's saying, about walking in the light of Jesus Christ, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into something that's important here. And he says, I want you to be strong in the Lord. Why? Because he's going to go into the war next week. He's going to go into the battle. Why has, he, why has he tried to establish all this structure for the home, all this structure and relationships? He's tried to establish all this structure because we are in a battle, folks. The Bible tells us that we're in a war between right and wrong, between good and evil. And we're part of the battle. We're part of the war. And if we don't have ourselves together, if we don't have our stuff together the way it's supposed to be, we're not going to be prepared for the battle. So what has he done? He has spent a chapter and a half here telling us how to get our stuff together how to have our life so that it's walking in the light of Jesus Christ, and that way we are prepared for the battle ahead. Why? Because the battle is a spiritual battle, folks. Likened in the scripture often to physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. Listen, folks, our nation today, we are in a spiritual battle. We may say it's a political battle, but it's a spiritual battle. We are witnessing the battle for right and wrong today in our nation, like never before. And Paul has tried to prepare us to have ourselves in the right position so that we are ready for the battle. And that's what he says here. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What's he telling us here, folks? Well, he's telling us this. I don't have enough strength for the battle. You don't have enough strength for the battle, but the Lord's got enough strength for the battle. Yes, and we sing the song, onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Folks, that's what God's called us to be. He doesn't call us to have all the strength in our own selves. Strength comes from him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, his grace is sufficient for this because his what? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We often hear the battle is the Lord's, folks, and it is. But we're part of it. And the only way that we are going to go to battle prepared for what is ahead is if we have ourselves walking in the light of the Lord as we should. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed as we come to the end of the message today. Listen, Paul, Paul's being very, very practical in this, in this passage. I mean, I mean, he's talking about daily life, living in the home, in the workplace. How should it look? What should it look like? How do we do it right so that we're honoring God and we, how we live our life? These are practical, practical things. But, folks, sometimes we need to just get some practical wisdom, some practical knowledge of God. What does God expect from us? Let's stand with our heads bowed eyes closed. I'm going to ask Elizabeth to play for a minute. Maybe there's some area of this that we've talked about today that you need to work on in your life. You know, maybe there's a teenager in here that you've not been obeying your parents. You've not been out your parents. Maybe you need to get on your knees at the altar and ask God to forgive you. Maybe you need to go see your parent and ask them for forgiveness. I don't know what it is today, but the fact of the matter is, folks, Paul has laid out very clearly how we walk in the light of Christ in our life. And th- these two last weeks have laid that out very clearly in those relationships. So if you have business to do with the Lord today, the altar's open, you can sit at your pew and pray, but we wait for just a moment today.